Hey, Great Beardians. Thanks a lot for coming back again. This is going to be the final episode of what I'm calling Season 2, pretty much going from the spring through the fall. And I'm going to wrap it up with this episode on offensive tools. And then in mid-November, late November, I'm going to go ahead and post a special episode. It's going to be related to a presentation that I'm slated to deliver in Chicago around business leadership and cybersecurity integration. It'll be very similar to the special that I did last year from the same conference where I talked about proactive defense in lieu of a panicked response. So again, thanks for listening. Please remember to share with your friends, colleagues, professors, social media circles. Even though I'm going to take a break for a little bit, I will certainly be back. Uh, I may plop up a special throughout the uh, winter as well. I'm thinking about doing an interview for a Gray Beardian who is actually the inspiration for this episode. He is a CEO of his own business now, and I wanted to share his success with the rest of the audience. And uh, hopefully we'll post that sometime in December or January. Reach out at cybergraybeard at gmail.com or find me on LinkedIn, as many people have. I have been responding to emails quite regularly, actually. Uh, In the past month, I've had more email questions than I had in the previous year. And I respond to every single one of them. So even if it's a quick note on LinkedIn or if it's a detailed email, I will do that as well. I'll respond. Just give me some patience, please. I'm not reading those um, that Gmail account every day, so sometimes there's a little bit of a lag, but I'll definitely get back to you. Before I begin this episode talking about offensive tools, I can't stress this enough. Only use these tools for ethical and educational purposes. Utilize them in a lab or a homegrown environment. Never use these tools on an unauthorized network without permission. Teaching this, discussing this, testing this is all about finding weaknesses to patch before a bad actor can take advantage. Researchers, students, professionals, we need to know what the nefarious guys are doing and how they're doing it so we can protect against it. So what I'm here to teach is not to teach people to go do bad things. I'm here to teach you how to know what the bad guys are doing so you can prevent it happening in your client's environment as well as in your own environment. So with that said, I'm going to go ahead and first start talking about Lennox. There's numerous flavors of Linux. I'm partial to Ubuntu. And when it comes to red teaming or offensive testing, Kali. Kali was designed for it. Kali is a specific platform for offensive testing. And there are a lot of tools that are already built into Kali. A number of what I'm going to talk about here shortly are built in, so you don't need to worry about downloading it and installing it. While you can do these things from Windows, Windows is not inherently designed for it. So you're kind of jury rigging around or you have... Tools that don't have as much power, a lot of Windows is done at the GUI, the graphical user interface, and for folks that really deal with this, at the command line, there's more arguments, more switches. You can do things and and get more detail. So I recommend learning Linux, Kali in particular again. Install it in a virtual environment. You can get those for free. I use VirtualBox by Oracle. I use it for personal use, so the license is at no charge. You can also use VMware. I'm not sure about the licensing on that. And I think Microsoft uh, Hypervisor, Hyper-V, is also one that you could use to build a platform. And if you have mistakes made, you just blow it away. You build a new one. So having Kali running in a virtual environment is a great way to go. I recommend installing Tor as well. Tor stands for the Onion Router. It's a browser and the idea behind it is it's basically hopping through multiple proxy servers so you can't be found. You can't be detected. Governments hate Tor and privacy individuals like me love it. I don't need to be scared about researching when I'm on Tor because there's really no trace back to me. What happens is 
as I've said before, I connect to a VPN, so I'm out of Asia anyway, and then I connect to an onion router proxy, and that leaps to another proxy and another proxy, and it goes through the system until eventually it exits. And then at the exit, exit point, I go ahead and do research, and that's where I do a lot of my red teaming research. I don't want a situation where somebody comes back and says, hey, Greybeard was doing this, this, and this. These attacks happened. He has that ability. He was doing this research. So I just, I obfuscate it. Again, I talked about it last time in Offensive Actions. Big fan of the obfuscation. And this is what the bad guys are doing anyway. It's not like they're logging into Comcast or Verizon and they're doing a direct attack. I mean, how stupid is that? Uh, individuals that are doing that are the first ones to get busted. I wouldn't be surprised at least if that's what happened with the Twitter hack and how that guy got caught. Uh, it was just a kid anyway doing some social engineering, password resets, etc. You can research that if you'd like. Uh, but if you had VPN and or Tor, it, you're hidden. So uh, on the VPN side, the VPN is creating an encrypted tunnel between your system and a third party. Make sure that third party does not do any logging. If there's no logging, then the governments cannot uh, subpoena them and get that information. I personally use ExpressVPN. Other ones would be OpenVPN, and there's also HideMeVPN, and there are probably dozens out there. I have had very good luck with ExpressVPN. It's very easy to use. I even use it on my mobile device, so I can't be tracked. It gives me some privacy. There's other ways to track mobile devices, but from a, a browsing perspective, there's, there's, no, there's no easy way. Let me put it that way. So once you have Linux running on the virtual machine and you have Tor to do some research and or download tools and utilities and you have the VPN that's connecting it, the first thing that an attacker is going to do is probably run Nmap or a similar tool to Nmap. Nmap is a port scanning utility. So you put in a range of IP addresses. Let's just say I'm at home, I'm on my own 192.168 network, and I want to scan and find out what's around. And I've done this. I do it periodically to see if anybody else is connected. It's actually how I found out my stepdaughter had an iPhone. I don't like iDevices. I don't recommend them. And I assume that somebody's friend came over, connected to the network, and boom, I just found their iPhone. Now it turns out that it was my stepdaughter. So uh, I was able to find it. And you know, doing Nmap, I could do it, see things about it, and also find out what ports are open. So if somebody came over to the house, they connected to the network, and I did a port scan, I would be able to find out if they were running you know, open ports that I could attach to or whatnot. Nmap is really the first thing, or an Nmap-like utility. You can do this with ping or with ICMP, or ICMP, ping is a version of ICMP. Uh, Traceroute is also another version of it. I think I mentioned that previously. Ping is really just gonna tell you if a system is up or down, whether it's on the network or not. Nmap is gonna tell you what ports are open. Is SSH open? Is SMTP open? Is FTP open? Is Telnet open? When you find what ports are open, as I said previously, you then can attempt to attach to it. You may want to attach to it through a brute force, or you may not even have to. There are some vulnerabilities out there that you can take advantage of by just a clear Telnet on a certain port, and you can go. So Telnet is another tool. Telnet is basically unencrypted SSH. SSH is secure shell. That's the utility that we use to connect to a terminal or a command line remotely. So rather than using remote desktop or some other mechanism similar to that to attach like WinVNC, which is remote desktop, I would use secure shell. So once I do the Nmap and I do the scanning and I find something that has port 22 open, I'm gonna try and do secure shell. With that, I need to have a username and password. So I may run a brute force attack and Nmap has uh, NSE, their Nmap scripting engine scripts. 
So there are scripts that come with Nmap, and it has built in a brute force attack for SSH, for SMTP, and I believe for other applications. So Nmap is a critical tool when it comes to offensive testing, helps you find what's awake and finds out what they're listening on. Another one and probably the most powerful tool that I'm going to discuss is Metasploit. Metasploit is standalone and it's built into Kali. You launch it with the command MSF console. And once you're in there, you can discover devices, you can gain access to the devices, and you can take control of them. You can collect evidence. You can do scanning, brute force. It's wide open. There's all kinds of information out there. If I'm not mistaken, InfoSec has some labs that you can perform to test and to learn Metasploit. That's M-E-T-A-S-P-L-O-I-T. Definitely take a look at it. If you're going to be doing pen testing, you want to do red teaming, learn about Metasploit. Metasploit also has built-in exploits that you can go in and identify vulnerabilities with specific payloads. So with Metasploit and with Nmap, once you find the ports that are open and you scan and you find out what applications they have, you can then start to find out what versions they're running and possibly do buffer overflows to crash a system. You can do certain payloads and exploits to deactivate logging, as I talked about last time, or you can just brute force it and try and get the username and password. And then once you're in an environment, you can do lateral movement moving from one system to another. So let's say there was somebody that was able to get onto my environment at home. I have four different computers, plus I have IoT devices. They can hop from one to the other. So I'm running SSH on a Kali box and on an Ubuntu box. And if my Windows box was compromised, then they would have the ability to move laterally after doing an Nmap scan of my environment and seeing that I have a couple machines running SSH, they could attempt to brute force it. And then when they go to the other box, check and see if I'm using the same username and password. So Metasploit is extraordinarily powerful and it's actually a composite of a whole bunch of other tools and utilities. So if offensive tools and red teaming and offensive testing are interesting to you, Metasploit, hands down, spend time on that. The next set of tools I want to talk about deal with packet capture or PCAP. The most common one that we deal with is called Wireshark. It's a third-party tool. However, you have something called TCP Dump on Linux, and then you have WinDump on Windows. There's also T-Shark and Network Miner. The idea here is seeing the traffic in transit. So when I have issues at a client site and we're not able to communicate, a lot of times it has to do with the problem with the firewall. So we run TCP dump and then we try and do a connection and the information that comes back to us is providing information on where it stops, what data was passed, and we can kind of see where there's a problem and identify whether or not the firewall is configured correctly. If I do a TCP dump, I try and do an SSH connection and I don't get a reply, then that information is going to help. If you can get a packet capture tool on a client machine, and start to see the traffic going across it, that's damning to the client. It is, you can get password information straight up, usernames, it's almost like a keylogger. It's nearly as dangerous as a keylogger. Keyloggers, you're gonna get information as they push the keystroke, so there's no encryption there. You do have to deal with encryption when it comes to Wireshark and TCP dump. However, folks aren't using the encryption correctly, you're gonna see it in clear text. There's plenty of data that you're gonna get off of a Wireshark or a Wind Dump or T-Shark uh, capture. So keep that in mind, but the packet capture tools are very important. It's also important just to understand what is a packet capture and how are the networks communicating and what is the whole flow through the OSI model. So you're going to want to understand that. A few other tools, uh, one that I would mention is called Mimikatz. This is one that allows you to view and save authentication details. 
older versions of Windows would pass the hash. So if you didn't know somebody's password, that may be okay because you would have the hash of the password if you intercepted it with either Mimikatz or Wireshark. And then you could log in with just the hash. It was a bug in Windows a few versions ago. So they updated it with tokens. Well, then they just passed the token. So basically what I'm saying here is when I enter my password, the system converts the password to a hash. Maybe SHA-256, it may be MD5, it may be some other version or iteration. And then what Windows is doing is it's just taking the hash and it's sending the hash as though it were the password. And in the olden days, it would work. So when a nefarious actor gets Mimi Cats on a system, they're able to capture the hashes and they're able to grab the hash and just pass it on the older versions. And again, you can also do it with uh, pass the ticket on newer versions. As defenders defend, attackers attack and find other ways around it. It's like anything else in life. It is a cycle, it is a circle, and it's infinite. So we need to understand the vulnerability so we can patch them. And then when new vulnerabilities are found, even in the new patches, we need to find out what they are so we continuously red team and use these offensive tools. Other things you can do with passwords are utilizing password crackers like John the Ripper, Loftcrack, Hashcat, Hydra, Xhydra. Xhydra I actually like a little bit better than Hydra because it has a graphical user interface rather than needing to know what all the switches are to have just one username go or multiple usernames, what dictionary to use, and the dictionaries are included in Kali. I'd use Xhydra. I just go in, I select a target, I click the tab on passwords, and I go ahead and choose which list I want to use, etc. So Xhydra is a, a very powerful, easy to use cracker on Kali. The next thing that you're going to want to do or know about it has to do with hashes and rainbow tables and hash cracking. Hash is a one-way function. You can never reverse engineer it. I can't take a hash and then put it through a computer program and figure out what it came from. What I can do, though, is look and see if somebody already has posted what the hash stands for. And there are good reasons to do this. When bad actors are emailing infected files, the defenders are getting those files, finding the hash, and they're putting it out on the internet and saying, hey, listen, if you have this file with this hash, you know it's infected and you know you don't want it. So it's a good way for you to have a chain of trust and validate the file and determine its validity. We even see that with Windows. And when you install Windows, it's going to say, here's the hash. You can take that information, go online, and validate it. Well, on the flip side, if I'm intercepting somebody's hash that's their password, and let's just say the password is password123. If you go out to these hash sites and you put in password123, it's going to give you that hash. Likewise, you could put in your hash and it's going to say, oh, it's in my database. I know this hash is password123. I now know what that password is. Sometimes that happens. Actually, quite often it happens. So these rainbow tables and other mechanisms, again, crash station, I'm sorry, crack station and online hash crack, these are posted sites to teach about. Uh, the hashes and help understand what they are. So if a hacker finds a hash, they're going to go out to one of these sites and say, hey, is this password 123? Is this password backwards? Is this password with a capital P or password with a lower P? And all that stuff is going to be out there, and that's the way that the nefarious actors can find out. I could go on and on. Uh, there are so many tools out there. I could have an entire podcast that's a different tool every time or 10 tools every time. So the last things I do want to talk about has to do with uh, Nessus and Nexpose and Qualys. These are vulnerability scanners. 
This is something else that you may run early. You may run it after you run Nmap, maybe before Nmap. The idea behind this is to go out and find out what applications are on the in the environment and what vulnerabilities may exist. Now, with these tools, you need to have some semblance of access. So it's normal that you would go through, run Nmap to find the environment, maybe capture some hashes, get the password, log in, see if you can escalate or elevate your privileges to become an admin. Then you can run Nexpose or Nessus or Qualys as an admin you have free reign in the whole environment. Now you're finding out whether they got an old version of Tomcat, an old version of Java, whether they're running uh, a SQL version that has known vulnerabilities. If you have a vulnerability scanner and you're running a client's environment or you're running in a, an attacker can get into environment and find things, it's pretty much end of days. I mean, it's game over because now they have the admin access and they're scanning and they're finding additional vulnerabilities. And when you don't have defense that can find this nefarious activity through either a SIM or through threat hunting, it's when you get individuals and bad actors in an environment for one, two, three years, and they're just living there grabbing whatever data they can. So again, there's a ton of tools that are out there. Only use this information for educational purposes. I don't condone or endorse using any of this information for illegal or nefarious purposes. I've said it before. I'll say it again. This is all about our education. This is why I'm here. I'm here to help teach, help folks understand what is the cybersecurity profession like. This episode and the previous one were really about offensive testing. And what I've taught you can be used in nefarious ways. And people do it. And I don't want you doing it. I want you to learn. I want you to grow. I want you to advance. And if you're interested in being a threat hunter or being a vulnerability manager or being a pen tester or dealing with project management or becoming a business analyst in any of these areas, this is information that you're going to need to know. Reach out with any questions. I really appreciate the support. Again, don't hesitate to reach out to me at cybergraybeard at gmail.com. Look forward to a special episode in the middle of November. Have a wonderful holiday season, a very happy new year, and I look forward to delivering more new episodes sometime in the spring. Be well and best wishes.